0: Hello, Illinois. It's Cole here, and I'm really excited to tell you all that I'm joined by Kiana and Felicia from Chicago Normal. Welcome to the Illinois podcast. Mm.
1: Thank,
2: Thank you for having us,
0: us Cole. Yeah, and one of you two each owes somebody a Coke because you said that at the same time. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Flipcoin, whoever goes first, introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about yourselves. My
1: name is Felicia Santiago. I am um, the... Deputy Director now, Chicago Normal. Um, I've been with Chicago Normal since 2018. What's that? Almost three and a half years? Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be four years in March, actually. Um, So um, I started with Chicago Normal in 2018. I joined because I saw... Um, I followed them on Facebook, like almost immediately when they, not Facebook, Instagram, almost immediately when they popped up and um, I followed them for a while, just was watching because I was looking for a group to connect with. I had um, actually, Kiana, I don't know if you know this, but I bumped into Kiana at Women Grow. I volunteered for them twice and I know I remember seeing Kiana, her hair was different So that's why when I saw her Chicago Normal, it didn't connect until later, but I bumped into her then and Women Grow didn't last very long, Um, but I was looking for a group, found Chicago Normal, and they were at UIC doing a community engagement outreach um, with uh, doctors and nurses. And that's what hooked me because my interest and my passion is in healthcare as far as insurance goes. Um, and learning the insurance world kind of made me see how important it is to help patients or anyone who uses cannabis or any type of holistic natural medicine. If you use it to manage some of your chronic conditions, that should be a part of your health care, and your insurance dollars should help pay for that, Um, so that's where my passion and kind of met Chicago Normal was that there. And now I'm here.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. So uh, uh, Kiana, go ahead and introduce yourself uh, to the audience of the Chilinoy podcast.
2: So I am Kiana Hughes. I am the uh, executive director of Chicago Normal, uh, effective what September of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, I am one of the founding board members of Chicago Normal. As Felicia mentioned, um, I started with Women Grow. Uh, A friend of mine and I had started a a Chicago chapter. Actually, my friend started it, and she just asked me to come and help her. And um, so I was like, yeah, sure. So interestingly enough, um, Edie Moore was one of the speakers. She was our first speaker for that um, Women Grow thing. And that's how I met her. And then from there, I kind of went on to do some other stuff with Women Grow and I started a podcast. And um, even though I didn't even, I didn't even call it a podcast back, back then but I started this thing called the Dope Show. And so I was just um, excited to just kind of talk about you know the cannabis industry and all the stuff that I was learning from uh, the exposure that I gained like through Women Grow and going to their stuff in Denver and wherever and really seeing that this was like a big thing that we weren't really talking about in the right way um so in that podcast actually that's how I met Dante Townsend and he was someone that I was interviewing on my podcast um because he was a caregiver for his grandmother and so we're just talking about all this different stuff as it relates to the medical program and really just trying to like elevate that conversation in you know the black community and at that point he's like and his wife was there. I remember Carly and she was pregnant. And it was so, it was really just cute. Some like way in the beginning type stuff. Um, and so he was like, yeah, you know, have you heard about, about Illinois Normal? And I was like, yeah, I had, um, what's his name? Um, oh, shoot. Oh, oh, why Dan? am I? Not Dan, but, and it's not Abraham Villegas. Kelvin. Is... No, say someone else, Cole. Kelvin? No, not Calvin McCabe. All great people. I'm so mad I can't think of his name, but it's going to come to me. He, oh, Avi, Ali, Naguib, Ali, Naguib. Yeah. So I had him on the show um, to tell me a little bit about Illinois Normal, and he did. And so when Dante came on, he's like, Yeah, you heard of Illinois Normal? I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, Well, I was thinking about, you know, starting a, you know, a Chicago chapter, like specifically a Chicago chapter to, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff, right, so I was like, oh, that sounds like a great idea, you know, when y'all get that together, y'all come on back on the podcast, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it on the, you know, on the dope show, not even thinking that, like, he was going to want me to be a part of it, so, <laughs> so um, eventually, you know, we kind of gather up this, this group of people, that um, basically we're the people that we just kept seeing each other um, at at all the different cannabis events, you know, that were being put on, whether it's Illinois Women in Cannabis or whatever, and we noticed like, okay, we are literally like, we just keep running into each other over and over again, we should do this thing. So that was really the the start of uh, Chicago Normal. Um, Some other things that I have done or do, um, I... Eventually ended up going to Oaksterdam University for um, their classic program. So I won a scholarship to go there. That was like right before, right at the start of Chicago Normal. So that was like 2017. Um, And, you know, took their program and volunteered out there and did some stuff. So we learned a lot about the industry and like what things were, what was happening. Like I was really intrigued by what was going on in Oakland and their social equity program and all of that. Um, And at that point, we weren't even really talking about adult use in Illinois, you know, we still had, you know, Rounder was still in office, things were still kind of tight, so to speak. Um, But then when I got back, it's really when those conversations really started to pick up and things really started to change, um, you know, in the state. And as really, as far as Chicago normal is concerned, like our ability to just be involved in the industry on a totally different level um, and, and make those contributions. So that's that, you know,
0: uh, I got a ton of other stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, why don't we start here? Uh, what is like the mission of Chicago Normal? For people that don't know about it, tell us about it. Thank you. <laughs> um, the high. Chicago <laughs> chapter of Normal. Not yet. I haven't even lit
2: up Oh, yet, I but, am. Um, So in addition to the overall chapter of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, uh, the Mm -hmm. Chicago chapter strives specifically to educate, motivate communities of color um, to destigmatize the cannabis plant as a vehicle for health, wellness, political, and economic empowerment. Um, And it was important for me to to read that and be specific about it because we specifically added that part to the, the normal, national mission um, to really focus in on who we are and what it is that we came to do. And that really represents our four um, pillars, the health Mm -hmm. and wellness, um, political engagement, economic empowerment, and education. And those are the things that we really have, um, you know, worked to like focus on um, very specifically in communities of color.
0: Awesome. That's, that's, that's great to hear. Uh, obviously a great cause, like something that we can all agree is some a future we can fight for. Right. Um, mm-hmm. te- can you tell us about, well, tell us about, do you think that, I mean, this is a softball question, admittedly. <laughs> okay. Do you think that um, we're at all close to accomplishing that goal yet? Told you it was a softball question. (laughs)
1: Um, Felicia, do you want to respond to that? Yeah, I would say definitely we've made a lot of good progress, Um, but we're not there yet. We have a lot of work to do, and this is, we're still in round one, you know, this, this, maybe it's the end of round one but like this is a long marathon this is not a sprint and um, we have to be very mindful of that like we are building something that's never been done before we're making it uh, oh we're widening the lane for everyone and that's that takes pioneers which i consider a lot of our founding members, pioneers in this, you guys are the first to do a lot of these things and you're taking a lot of hits for it, which makes people like me wanna support you more because like I said, it's never been done before what we're trying to do, what we're trying to change, has never been done before. So no, we're not there yet, but we, we not where we were. That's well, right, and
2: I'm gonna challenge that. I'm gonna actually mm-hmm. challenge you a little bit on that because I think, as it relates to specifically the mission of Chicago Normal,
1: mm-hmm.
2: we are we are successful in doing that, and I say that because I know for a fact that 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 destigmatize and educate and and getting them to accept that part about in communities of color mm-hmm. that was hard, right at first when we first started out, and and it's funny that neither of us mentioned this part Felicia Felicia and I I know we met with the women girl thing and whatever but I was holding an educational session out in Homewood Illinois and Mm -hmm. I was actually about to go because nobody showed up and Felicia came all the way from Aurora uh, all the way out to me she was the only person that showed up I packed up I was getting ready to go. She comes in the door and I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know what? Let's just sit down and we do it. I bring that up because that was one of the few places that would even allow me to Mm -hmm. give that educational presentation in their space, right? People were not accepting the cannabis plant for anything, certainly not in communities of color. There was an absolute stigma associated with it. Um, Mm -hmm. We got a lot of pushback from like the NAACP from churches, from, you know, local community organizations, from the elected officials, from aldermen, from all kinds of place, people in places of, in power in communities of color in just trying to give out this information or to, in the effort to motivate and destigmatize and yeah, to educate. Okay. So, Mm-hmm. I, I only push back on that to say mm-hmm. where we are now in Illinois and, and specifically where communities of color are now in Illinois is absolutely lutely. Oh, can I curse? I'm sorry. It's absolutely absolutely lutely.
0: You can, can absolutely lutely curse.
2: <laughs> absolutely lutely a testament to Uh, the work that Chicago Normal has done and I'm never going to concede that it's anything other than that yeah Um, we were an integral part of that Mm -hmm. good bad or indifferent and I don't want the um, the licensing shit to overshadow yeah the mission and the work
0: so yeah you're right yeah and we'll talk about licensing and stuff but I agree that that as far as like acceptance of the culture uh you know um we're we're miles ahead of where we were in the past for example like uh i was i'll keep the details vague but i was talking to somebody about the idea of doing cannabis stories in other places right because i do the i do cannabis coverage here on this show but somebody floated the idea of doing it through like a formal medium and i was like sure yeah but this is how it would look And it was interesting because they considered it and they ended up saying no, but the point is that they considered it a few years ago. If I would have said, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about covering cannabis news on on your platform. They would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? Are you fucking crazy? You know, that whole thing. So I got to say, uh, Kiana, you got a great point there. Let me, let me ask you, let me ask you this, like, how can our audience continue to support these efforts? Is there a way to to specifically like donate to Chicago Normal? I want to make sure that our audience can continue to support you to to make sure that we can continue to destigmatize the plant and uh like your mission says help people to accept the cannabis plant as a vehicle for health and wellness. Yeah political and economic Mm. empowerment. I wanted to do that because that's very important.
1: Yes. Well, a simple way from my angle, um, how I started to support the mission was just by getting involved, volunteering um, is awesome way for me. um, When I started with Chicago Normal, I had very little professional development um, skills, Just, just doing my regular job. And I say this all the time. I got a lot of my professional development through opportunities and networking within Chicago Normal just by volunteering. And now I'm put in leadership roles. And this was, I was getting experience that I don't have in my nine to five job that I've been at for 10 years. You see what I'm saying? So getting involved, it just... Donating your expertise, whatever it is you're good at, give it to the cannabis community because like, it's a brand new industry and those skills are important. So, And they're going to support the industry as it grows. That's how you start participating. Um, of course, the basics, following us on social media and, and going to our website to donate.
0: And hey, what's Chicago Normal. I'll have all this info in the podcast description, yeah. but ahead. tell us your website. Uh,
1: yes. It's www.chicagonormal.org. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. And then it's a tab at the top that says get involved. And it just has all those things that um, with how you can get involved um, coming to our general meetings. We're back in the box. Cause it's winter time. So um get on there, see what's up, ask questions. I like to do mix and mingling at the end. Um, We can talk one-on-one and see who's in the room. Like you'd be surprised who just pops up in the room. Like your next business partner could show up there. Like that's how you get involved, finding out who's who and start learning how to network. Um, that's what worked for me. And I've gotten a lot of business opportunities professionally outside of Chicago Normal because I was just in the room with people who had the same passion as me. Yeah. And that's how you kind of integrate yourself.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with Salisha on that. I'm a big, um, I am very much a person that's big on can you guys hear me? My, my phone started ringing. Yeah. Um, I'm very much a person that's big on um, blooming where you're planted, you know, what it, whatever it is that you do well, whatever it is that you're passionate about. Um, chances are there's an opportunity for that in the cannabis industry. It's exactly what I did. Um, I've been doing educational development and curriculum development and design um, for almost 17 years now. And so when I started with Chicago Normal, Uh, when we started Chicago Normal, we said, hey, we want to do some classes. So how I really got my feet wet in the thing is developing our training classes um, for Chicago Normal. And that was a good thing. And it was a good springboard for me because at the time, the industry was not in a place where they really even cared about um, formal training and education. Um, There definitely was not the educational or academic you know, opportunities, the landscape wasn't there yet, but I was able to do those things for Chicago Normal and then have that as something to show for when it was time, when you could actually get some money in the industry. The thing that I'll say about Felicia and what was uh, pivotal I think to her success and involvement and elevation even within our organization is that she was consistent and she was persistent and her dedication was obvious. You know, she was willing to kind of jump in and be involved and do the work, and not necessarily just like, yeah, she'd be willing to do whatever it, she could do that you asked her to do. But also, she wasn't just sitting there waiting on somebody to tell her to tell her what to do. So I think that's an important thing. We always get people that come and they 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 want to volunteer, um, but. They don't necessarily show up in the way that is um, most effective for us and you know Chicago Normal is kind of our baby so we do you know try to pay attention to um, placing people where their strengths are so I would say for anyone that wants to get involved with Chicago Normal or with any organization um, you know make sure that you understand what your strengths are and what you bring to the table and give some real thought and consideration to how you can contribute that to the organization because we the good thing is we need a lot of help so
1: yeah and we love collaboration like you like she said bringing your ideas to the table our ideas as long as the mission in end result is still the same we're all on the same page trying to achieve the same goal but and we
2: do need money we do
0: need money oh yeah and uh, is it easy
2: we will
0: take your money. Easy to donate on chicagonormal.org?
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Perfect. It, it, or become a
2: member or a
1: sponsor. All the things.
0: All those things. Cool. Um, let me just see. I was going to say, um, yeah, if you if you join, um, if you go to chicagonormal.org, you'll actually see at the top page, um, they're doing mm-hmm. a current uh, current promotion. Um
1: that was for Giving Tuesday. Yeah, um, which was an awesome initiative that we did, and this I think that one's still open. It's not open on in social media anymore because it's timed, but this one's still open. If you click that little uh, banner at the top, it takes you to um, Home is where the harvest is. So what we're doing is we're collaborating with, um, see collaboration, uh, collaborating with Soul and Wellness. Um, which is owned by Tiffany Reynolds over in Pilsen. So if you haven't one of been our there, founding,
2: she is one of our founding board members.
1: Yes, she is. And um, that's like when we are meeting together, um, we usually go there to meet in person for our general meetings in the summertime, spring and summer is usually mm-hmm. there. Um, so what we're doing is we're raising funds so that she uh, can do um, gift a certain number of, I think five, um, classes, so people who are medical patients can learn how to do their own home grow, and then we're also raising funds so that she can help them get uh, grow kits as well. So that's what that was for. Um, so that's where home is, where the harvest is. You click um, donate at the bottom, and you can donate what whichever one you want, or you can log in become a member. If you don't want to do that, just click the X, and. You can just donate right there.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I was feel like say, I'm
1: presenting. I'm not presenting.
0: <laughs> no, it's okay. I was going to say, I just noticed to, to, to your point, there's either the Giving Tuesday option, folks, mm-hmm. if you want to do that, or a right on the homepage of chicagonormal.org, you can see a button that says become a member and uh, mm-hmm. great way to, to, to contribute and, and enact some substantive change um, with regard yeah. to cannabis reform. So,
1: yeah,
0: well, cool. Um, I think a great segue, you know, we're talking about becoming a member and getting involved, volunteering is, well, what are we working towards right now? Do you have any initiatives that were that you're currently working towards um, that we can talk about?
2: Yeah, I think um, so. What is happening now is that Chicago Normal is really working to hone in on exactly where we fit right now in the landscape as it currently is so you figure when we started in 2017 there was no adult use market Um, there were no real real opportunities for black and brown people or for anybody for that matter in the industry because it was very much closed off Um, the medical and the medical market was struggling they had they were struggling even to get patients and people signed up for the program and now all these things have changed. Um, we are, you know, we were, we are, we were, and are still very much involved in the legislative process. Um, very much so, civically engaged. Still working on a number of different um, initiatives as it relates to um, bills and things that will kind of carry, you know, the industry forward, right? And creating an ecosystem that is healthy for social equity applicants. Um, so we recognize that it is a, a very much a long game and that part of it, to be honest, the legislative part of it really um, takes up a lot of the, the time and the energy as it relates to what we do as an organization. Um, and just making sure that we're keeping our fingers on the pulse of what's going on there. As also as an organization, we are a membership organization. So we are, um, you know, still actively, Know trying to recruit members, Um, but we want to kind of change our model and so um, change our model so that we can really offer more to our community, more to our members um, free or very at a very low cost. Which means we need sponsorships and we need business members and we need um, not just the cannabis community, but also the you know, the community at large, whether, you know, some of these bigger foundations, um, the corporations, we need that type of support so we can really expand and and further, you know, expand our bandwidth and our capacity to further our mission, right, and to continue to do the things that we do. So um, we will continue to offer um, offer classes, whether it's uh, in the same way that we've been doing it, or in a new way, or, you know, to give definitely some more targeted communities and groups of people that can really help to support this new market that's coming on and whatever it is that we need to do also to support um, the medical patient side of things, because that is still a thing. It's not all just about Mm -hmm. the adult use side. So we got to keep our eyes on a lot of different things. And, um, you know, we're in the process of just developing some, some of those new initiatives and being a lot more Um, just more focused and figuring out where where we're most needed right now right so there's Mm -hmm. still a big need for education but now you know we need to do a little bit more with educating doctors and Mm -hmm. and people in the medical fields as well as uh some of these new business owners and you know it's it's huge right and we have um you know about two to three two to three hundred members and um several thousand supporters and people that follow us and look to us to give them information and and tell them about what's going on so um we are you know going to keep doing that and doing that in the best way that we can and hopefully with more support um from the cannabis community and the community at large to to enable us to do that even more
0: Mm -hmm. agreed well said very well said um Can I, um, I want to ask, because those, those initiatives that you're talking about, like center around like education and getting kind of riding the wrongs of history with, I'm talking about the topic of social equity. Um, I wanted to ask a specific, like, like specifically, is there any laws that, or anything with, yeah, anything with regard to our current law that you think uh, could, could be better. And I guess just to like maybe kick off this conversation, if if, if, it, if that felt like a vague question, um, for example, I think all people should have the right to grow cannabis, not just medical cannabis patients. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the plant count is a little too restrictive, although I'm thankful that we can grow five, just just a little too, we should be able to grow more. Yeah. Um, any, any uh, this is just an interesting conversation I think always to have, is there anything that could make the law um better. I have another idea that I want to cast by you, but I want to give you guys an opportunity to uh let's let's talk and talk about ideas.
2: Uh, do you want to tackle that first
0: or? Yeah,
1: no, you can go ahead. Cuz
0: I
2: have to think. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to be a little bit selfish so as an ancillary business owner and as an educator, um I would love for there to, I think there needs to be a lot more support for um, non-licensed, um, non-plant-touching ancillary cannabis businesses to support the licensed businesses. And I think that there is, I, not I think, I know for a fact that there is uh, opportunity for some social equity um, resources and a social equity designation for that group of people and that's something that is woefully missing from our, our laws and regulations as they stand now. So um, that's definitely something that I would like to see change. Um, you know, there are changes that could absolutely be made to the application process as far as the licensing aspect is concerned. I, with all that I know, and all that I've seen, I still don't really know what the answer is. Um, you know, I've, talk to some very smart people, um, who are proponents of whether it be quote unquote merit based or a lottery or some combination of them. Um, you know, people that are much smarter than me and much more experienced than me and that have seen a lot more around the country as far as what works and what doesn't. Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't know. I just know that that needs to change. And I I am certainly uh, willing to be a part of the, the the group that figures out how it needs to change or certainly contribute some ideas for what that might look like but i i don't want to talk about that here because i don't i really don't know
0: yeah no it's um, something that we've admittedly talked about and I, I i try to like cover all sides but i admittedly don't know either you know like yeah i know something like, needs to change but what's the change
2: <laughs> what's yeah. the change right and what's the what's mm-hmm. the safest and best way um and, and i don't know what that is Um, So, yeah, those are probably two of the biggest things. You know, I could definitely see some different license types being added some, um, you know, kind of, you know, putting some tiers and different levels in the the license types that are there. Yeah, um, I definitely want to see some if we're going to keep the whole social equity designation and the various uh, definitions that are included in there. I'd like to see a couple more definitions or, or, you know, characteristics thrown in there. And I would love to see those things be weighted. I'd like to see the points for them uh, kind of be weighted and measured out in an uh, order of impact, right? In order of, so uh, for example, I feel like if I went to jail for cannabis and I served time, mm-hmm. I feel like I should get more points. Okay. Okay if I live in a community and I've lived in this community my whole life and I've just seen it all, I should get more points than just someone who is just like marginally affected, right? Or then someone who, you know, if we're gonna keep that controversial um, slave master clause as it's, as it's lovingly referred to, if we're gonna keep that cool, but that can't be worth the same amount of points as, as the people whose lives right. were impacted, right. you know? So those are some of the um, the main ideas, main ways that I think the law could could be changed.
0: Yeah, and really quick, just for folks that don't, maybe you didn't know what you were referring to, um, I'm going to try to explain it. Feel free to, you know, feel free to. The slave
2: master clause, I'm sorry. I-
0: <laughs> no, it's a, it's okay. The slave master clause, though, for folks that didn't know, it's like this, like loophole that some people figured out about how to make the, themselves qualified as a social equity candidate correct me if i'm wrong but the way that they did it let's just use myself as an example cuz i'm about as wrong as say, the,
2: let me just be <laughs> clear it's not a, it's not a loophole
0: it's, yeah. it's not a loophole
2: it's it is in the definition as it is written in you're the right. law you're so right so that it, is a shortcoming of the law that is not to me a um, a judgment on the people that went that way so that's where kiana hughes is coming from
0: go ahead thank you for clarifying that though because that's very important the way i phrased it people could have uh misunderstood and like think that i was like what i was going to say though is that the reason people oppose though the what we're calling the slave master clause is because somebody like myself that's as wide as the wall behind me i use that just Mm to joke they could hire 10 people that fit the definition and by effect fit that definition which is just like look like you said it's part of the law so no knock on people that did that good for them for for hiring a diverse set but if if like you say the real point is that that should be weighted differently Mm
2: -hmm. compared to
0: a true social equity candidate right
2: yeah i mean and it was it was definitely something that was able to be exploited so you know hiring is used loosely um and how does that even apply if there isn't actually a business yet so you're hiring and supposedly paying these people and putting them on the payroll allegedly and saying that you have this but the other part that I want to bring out about that is that it really wasn't that many um that was a very low number of applicants that qualified under that and I wish I knew the number I think it was like 11 maybe Mm -hmm. um total like in in, out of the 4,000 Um, so that really wasn't as detrimental as it could have been. And my main point was just that if, if that's going to count, then they don't get as many points as the people that went to jail.
1: That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say, so, which I would consider low hanging fruit for some changes that need to be made is, um, just employee protection, right? Um, particularly for, um, you know, especially for medical patients. Um, I think that I think that's low hanging fruit. I do know a lot of employers are not no longer testing for THC, but not all of them. They're not required to. Um, But, you know, some that are more liberal or in their thoughts, you know, companies, big companies, especially like the one that I work for, they don't test for THC at all and and they're more forward thinking some companies aren't like that right. um and that's not quite fair for those who especially if you know you have a qualifying condition um you shouldn't your job should not punish you for what form of medication you use especially if you're able to do your job um yeah. and uh, according to the requirements that you know your job requires if you can do your job you sh- there's no reason why you should get fired for it. So I think that's important. Um, and I don't think that's a big ask at all.
0: No, it's just like, I mean, plenty of people. Let me just give an easy example. Some people require mm-hmm. ADHD medication.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if you have a prescription, you're able to show, hey, doc, you know, I, my doctor gave this to me. That's the reason there are some amphetamines in my bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, gotcha my, you yeah, know, yep. there's, you know what I mean? So it'd be nice to see like uh, cannabis treated equally with regard to that. That's Absolutely. a really good suggestion.
1: Agreed. I would also, I don't know if this is something that would have to happen legislatively, but I think physicians should definitely um, be more educated on it as not as coming from a political standpoint, but more from a scientific standpoint um, so that they can um listen better to the their patients who want to try um cannabis and i'm not just talking about thc i'm talking about cbd and and right. the cbn and all those other cannabinoids and terpenes that probably might be better than giving them a pill you know right. um, medication is manages our symptoms and sometimes food and your environment and cannabinoids can help manage your symptoms better than a pill and actually probably help correct, you know, and that's backed by science. Why can't we teach our physicians um, or make that a requirement for our health care system as a whole?
0: Yeah, um, no, actually, I think
1: that's important.
0: I recently spoke to a physician about that and they said that they don't hesitate to recommend cannabis cannabis, but they said it's different than their prescriptions. I mean, I just used two different words, right? Mm -hmm. Recommendation versus prescription. Um, He, he was talking about the fact that it is weird that while he will have a bona fide relationship with his patient and he's a lot better than some of the other physicians that just give you your card and tell you to figure it out yourself. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. He's, he's a lot better in that regard, but he said he does, struggle with the fact that it is just a recommendation he can't be like hey you need to go to this store and get this and he can't like call in your rec you know your prescription and have it look like and it's the fact that it like you end up going to somebody that isn't a healthcare professional in a lot of instances
1: mm-hmm. yeah and, and,
0: and no knock you know on our, no knock on our bartenders i wanted to say that just real quick because oh, it no. sounded like a. Knock. that's not that they do their, their best. job though
1: yeah, yeah. right
2: the, the interesting thing about that is at some point, like back in the day, it did used to say, um, the form used to say like they used to have to, it wasn't prescribed, but it was like recommend or whatever, like on the form to yeah. um, become a, 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 you know, for your doctor to certify as a patient and doctors wouldn't sign it because mm-hmm. they didn't want to get in trouble for. Signing something that said, we recommend this as a treatment. So then they had to change the form to just, this person has this condition.
0: Right. I didn't know that. That was the back end of that.
2: Now you're just verifying that they have the condition because so many doctors were not signing it, were not doing it. And back then it was all paper. It wasn't even online. Mm. So they weren't doing it because it said that you recommend, they have this condition and you recommend cannabis as a treatment. And they switched it to just you have this condition.
0: That's crazy. And what's crazy though about it is that they call it a recommendation, yet it is stored in your prescription drug monitoring database. I don't know if you knew that, but I
2: didn't and, know that. Is that real? Is that true?
0: That's real. My so wow. uh, I've got a relative that is in the healthcare industry, and like she should not have. You know, like it's not that she. So I went in and spoke to her. She's a nurse. And I said, Hey, can you just pull up my, I want to see, can you see Mm -hmm. my prescriptions? She's like, yeah, I can pull up your prescription monitoring database. And so she could see my prescriptions and she could see at the bottom medical cannabis. Mm, um, but
2: not not like specifically what you bought and when and all of that but just no, that no no were, no no uh, th-
0: bingo okay. just a card holder. That's interesting. Yeah. A card. yeah yeah wow
1: that's cool. so well, kind of
0: funny because on one hand they call it a recommendation on the other hand they keep track of it the, yeah they, like a
1: prescription that's interesting and well because your doctor does need to know that when yeah, prescribing yeah. your pharmacist needs to know that when prescribing for um, sure which is why they share information um, but it just amazes me how the healthcare industry and, and the cannabis industry, like, they, they both have governing bodies, they both have, are to have compliance and regulation and all mm-hmm. this other, it's like a, a mirror almost, and it's like, why aren't they married, you know? Well, they just like, got to
2: figure out how the, um, because if you can grow it, why would you mm-hmm. buy it from a pharmaceutical company, right? And if they can, you know, the, the synthetic version of it is all mm-hmm. is already FDA approved and it's out there. So if you can get the real, why would you buy a synthetic? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it, it needs to be once they figure out how, really how the how big pharma can really make money from it. You know, once it's federally legal and big yeah. pharma can then big pharma make pills need...
0: <laughs> and stuff. off of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah, grow their and own that...
2: supply or, you know, be a part of that yeah. market. That makes me sad
1: though. I don't in my perfect my perfect world is Big Pharma is the giant (laughs) that that needs to kind of be slayed a little. Like yeah, like chill. You're not the only way people can heal. Okay. Yeah. And people
2: will still use your will still use you. They still use your stuff. People still use people use opioids in, in conjunction with cannabis because sometimes you know sometimes that's what you need you need something that's a little bit stronger sometimes weed is just to help manage it maybe in between opioid doses or so you don't have to and that's what's so so sad
0: about that's what's so sad about the the way that the opioid alternative program has been used a lot apparently what i've heard and it's it's not like i'm saying this is a universal truth but what i've heard Mm. is that when people try to sign up for the opioid alternative or to get a medical card sometimes doctors will say look you're either staying on the pain pills or you're going on cannabis and that's that you're not doing both. And that's so unfortunate because oftentimes what they're trying to do is they're trying to protect themselves from becoming addicted to the opiates. Mm
1: -hmm. So as they start to
0: wean themselves off, they start to increase their cannabis use. Right. And it's so unfortunate that our healthcare professionals aren't, aren't, I mean, they should have for, for like, out of all people be cognizant of that's why they're using it. Right. Yeah, but like you said, it and, goes back to your point.
1: <laughs> yeah, and i talked to so many like middle-aged people who will be like, I don't like the pills. My back, I've been having chronic back pain since I'm yep. 20, my 20 and I'm 60. And I don't want to use, I don't like taking the pills.
2: Those I pills turn me something. into a
1: zombie. They turn you know? me, and I here is a specific age group that is dealing with that. And speaking of this conversation, we have this conversation all the time on 420, (laughs) which um, every 420, we do a health and wellness fair. And we have really deep ass conversations from men's health, which is my personal favorite because I produce that segment every year. Um, But men's health discussions, we talk about how, not just regular, what cannabis CBD does to your body, it's. How do you have a conversation with your doctor about that you use weed? Um, how do you have a conversation with your loved ones about your health as a man? Like, those are the things that we talk about women's health, cannabis and pregnancy, cannabis and pediatric care. We were, and we talked with a lot of healthcare professionals, doctors, um, subject, ha- subject matter experts having like real interesting, unique conversations, especially, and most of them are people of color, having these conversations, educating um, our community on the the health benefits, not just the economic benefits, the political benefits that's in our um, pillars, but also how it benefits your health. And um, so we do that on 420 every year. We've been in the box for the last two years, but hopefully this year we can have be back together because in 2019, we, it was huge. We had vendors, we had workshops going on. We had Kim Fox come um, and she was our keynote speaker. We had HIV screening, hypertension screening classes. It was huge. Um, so we're trying to hopefully the world is healthy enough we can get back to doing that in person because it was really dope experience and yeah, we like to party, you know, but we really, we, for us, 420, we take it back to the patients, and then we, we, you know, really educate people on the medical side of it. It's my favorite event also.
0: Hell yeah. Well, hey, are we, are we doing okay on time? I know we have a schedule uh, until 1230, yeah. but I just wanted to make sure we're okay on time. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's Cause, awesome. uh, uh, my next question will maybe lead, uh, we'll maybe get to licenses after this, but, uh, mm-hmm. It, this and it's like uh involved in this conversation, you know. We're talking about what how can we change the law to make it better. And I wanted to wrap this back to your mission statement because uh, and and it kind of wraps to normal's you know, mission like national normal's mission statement. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been trying to think about how I could like or what 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 we could to actually achieve substantive reform, how can we make it so that there's not a future where people have been disproportionately been impacted by the war on drugs, but, and also of course, disproportionately, we won't do it, Like we, we want to just erase the impact. Right. And so my thing that I've started to note, to notice, I'm like keying my eyes in on, on some policies that still exist in Illinois cannabis. And I feel like there are just residual policies from the war on drugs. And we've ha- I've had private conversations with, unfortunately, it's mostly people of color. It continues to be that way. Uh, that continue to, uh, they've, they've been charged with a cannabis possession charge. And it's like, wait a minute, hold on. I thought it was legal. It's right. because, so I guess what I'm trying to say, sorry, I'm all over the place. One of the things that I've been advocating for to like, like, let's actually end the war on drugs. And the way I've been saying it is let's make cannabis legal. I, I say that it's like legal, but it's not legal enough. You can only buy it in certain quantities and you can only have it in certain quantities. Right. But if you exceed that, all of a sudden you're a criminal again, that's got to go. And so like, I guess just to start, my idea is possession limits have to go um, because, Like who are we? Who are we protecting with possession limits? Mm -hmm. You know who's getting hurt by possession limits? Poor people, worst and first, you know, and that typically ends up being minorities. Because if you can defend yourself in those cases, which we did just see a case get uh, overturned last in the last two weeks, where, and this is how all a lot of these charges happen. Uh, there's language in our cannabis law that says, if you're in a vehicle, the cannabis must be in an odor proof container. There's no such thing. Right. I've talked to so many cops. There's no such thing. And that's exactly why that language is in there because they can continue to bust people for pot. Like, Oh, pot's legal, but you're not transporting it. Right. So you get a class a misdemeanor, which by the way, is the equivalent of like domestic abuse. Um, it's pretty crazy, you know, so I've talked to a few different attorneys, um, that continue to defend cannabis possession charges. Do you agree that one of the ways that we could actually make some substantive reform in Illinois and um, in cannabis and hopefully like actually in the war on drugs is to ax the idea of possession limits?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I think maybe at the upper limits where you know, where distribution is a real possibility um so i'm talking you know not not a few ounces but um you know you know the big amounts right (laughs) like
0: you know pounds Pounds and pounds yeah
2: um and that's i get that there needs to that there's a reason to regulate it i think if it's just um if it's federally legalized there it will still be regulated and yeah i'd love to just get rid of it all together and just i I actually wouldn't get rid of all regulations because i do think there's some uh
0: consumer like safety the testing yeah the consumer concerns. safety stuff yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. that's the thing people get me on they're like we, they're, they get scared like that that that's I'm not talking about repealing that but just like
2: no but I it's mean just if like, we treat it like tomatoes you know that's always or tough.
0: alcohol this is the way I look at it I <laughs> can go alcohol. to the liquor store right now and buy oh. the whole store the only thing that's stopping me is what I can fit into my vehicle and maybe my bank account yeah like, and it there's can't there's be no- open
2: in your car so there's right it can't like be
0: open that. but but yeah Another point, like, is that Everclear is legal. You know, that in some states possession limits or sorry, uh, THC limits have started to come up. It's like, hold on right. a second.
2: Everclear is like people, could, yeah. People
0: yeah. could literally kill themselves by drinking a shot of Everclear. And it's openly legal for any consumer above 21. Okay. And I guess just to wrap up my thought, because I've been going all over the place with possession limits and now this. It's like, we should, this is my way of putting it. And this is actually what normal used to campaign on national normal. Let's regulate cannabis, like cigarettes and alcohol. And I don't mm-hmm. mean literally in every instance, because some people have jumped on me. They're like, hold on the way they regulate alcohol sucks the way they regulate cigarettes. But what I mean by that is when you go to the store, first of all, it's at stores, right? You can get it at fucking Walmart, whatever you at a local store, mm-hmm. you know, a local business gas station, gas stations. Um, and you can just buy as much as you want and and there's no question about it and it's and it's what I consider to be legal actually legal yeah. so I don't I know agree. I, it sounds like we all agree on that but I just didn't know like I, I do you think the way to substantively substantively approach that is to try to figure out that threshold because I agree like we don't want people distributing without a license like we want all those consumer safety standards still in place I don't want just a, but on the same token, I know I'm going all over the place again. Farmers' markets happen every weekend, right? And we're talking mm-hmm. about tomatoes. All these people have to do is pay 25 bucks. They don't test their tomatoes, right? How do we mm-hmm. know that the water yeah. that they use didn't have lead in it? I don't know. I'm just, yep. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. You are, I mean,
2: thing. you're not wrong in what you say. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a lot of what we so, think and believe about cannabis is just because it's always been that way and how people... The stigma. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah. Go I ahead, think
1: Fee. in that problem identifies... it. That problem exposes the big problem. Like, it's all F that we're, we're not doing any of the shit right anyways. Mm-hmm. So I can see mm-hmm. why if you're going to... If this industry is going to be regulated like this, then you either fix that one and make it the, the standard across the board or is, I'd say this is the standard for everything.
0: You know, this so, is why I think.
2: And but and what, what I would like to see different though, if we're gonna, if we're talking about at the federal level, um, mm-hmm. I have a fundamental issue with any discussion of legalizing cannabis and allowing people to make money off of it. Um, specifically, you know, white people, sorry Paul. Um, but allow, allowing rich white men to get richer um, without giving some consideration to—hate to sound cliche—but the people who were, you know, disproportionately impacted and harmed by the war on drugs, which typically means black and brown people and poor people, mm-hmm. and you know, people from disenfranchised or just, dis, you know, dis—you know, impoverished communities and things like that. So any discussion of legalization at the federal level, for me. Uh, And I am working, you know, actively working with different groups to help make this happen. Um, It needs to include some discussion of social equity and cannabis justice from a real um, and thorough perspective. So, not just a program that is housed in one section of this law, but how is this showing and reflected in every aspect? How is it holistically involved and approached? Uh, from the federal level Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 sometimes and from what I'm seeing sometimes that's really just going to mean making sure that what you do at the federal level doesn't mess it up for the work that we've done at the state level right and making sure that because some of the things that were out you know with the uh, with the more act and a couple other things that it's like well hold on now you're doing this and you're really messing up what we've been doing at the state level, or you're you're adding on an extra layer, you know, of 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 money and and, and adding an additional barrier to entry for people mm-hmm. of color. And we removed that down here, but now you making it happen at the, you know. So mm-hmm. that um yeah, that to me is what federal legalization is all about. I don't even know what your question was, Cole. I just started talking.
0: <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. I wanted to say too, I wanted to kind of reiterate what I think you were saying because I thought it was funny what you're saying. You're like, sorry, sorry. You don't want it to be white people. Sorry, Cole. But what you meant is like Coca-Cola, Amazon, fucking Michael, you know, all these big ass fucking yeah. bald white dudes that are running these big yeah, companies.
2: You.
0: Yeah, oh, I yeah. mean, I, yeah, I can't, I'm
2: not I would love to, yeah. I would
0: love to be capitalized. And I, yeah, thank you. That, that makes me feel good. But, um, so, uh, we were just talking about though, uh, to get back to, I, I just, I am wanting to see a future because I had this conversation the other day where somebody was like, they were like, um, I was talking about possession limits and I was talking about that court case that got overturned. And they're like, you know, we need to, we need to focus on the important things that allow people that haven't been able to get involved in this industry to get involved in this industry. And they were like, I, I just talked to this person the other day that served time, you know, for cannabis possession charges and i'm like no but that's exactly it i want to end this whole cycle like your dad your your family member you you shouldn't be able to have your life at all impacted for just simply possessing a certain amount of something that should that is quote unquote legal you know so um but i think this is where i want to wrap it back around to your uh mission I think the way, and correct me if I'm wrong, or like tell me if you agree, I think we could achieve it. Maybe what I'm talking about through your mission. You know, if our mission is to normalize cannabis, a lot of these things that I'm comparing, you know, I'm using the example of farmers markets and alcohol and cigarettes. These are Mm -hmm. things that are normalized in our society. So, my question being, how do we make this happen? The answer, I think, is in your mission statement. Normalizing cannabis,
2: yeah, mm. yeah. Destigmatize like the light bulb. And
0: yeah.
2: The only way you do that is through education, right? The stigma exists because there was a, a concerted educational campaign to make us believe what we believe about cannabis, and so we have to be just as we have put forth just as much of a concerted educational campaign to undo that. Um, And, you know, we're not out here by ourselves, but we do need to make sure that the people that are doing it are, um, you know, given the right information, and that we're, you know, really doing it effectively and responsibly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, let's not forget that all these policies came around when there was a big anti-war sentiment and a civil rights sentiment. They were trying to they're trying to get in the way of these movements that challenge the establishment. Right.
2: Absolutely.
0: And, <laughs> and they saw these substances as barriers because frankly, it frees your minds. You know, we talk about psychedelics. I don't know if you knew this, but the Greek word, or the the meaning of psychedelic is mind manifesting. And uh-huh. I like that because it's,
2: I never knew that. It's,
0: it's like your mind <laughs> is already there. You're just allowing to man, allowing it to manifest. So let's, let's end the show. Um, with a with a discussion about licensing um i this is the topic that we we kind of touched on earlier that admittedly i don't thank know you this. for putting
2: it at the end thank you for, for putting it at the end for sure yeah because it's so like nowadays that's all anybody wants to talk to talk about or talk yeah i wanted
0: about. to talk about some positive stuff i wanted to talk about our ideas of how we could improve things make things better in the world and then you know Let's talk about the shitstorm that is licensing. Um, and admittedly, going into this, I'm going to reiterate something. Kiana, you and I both said, I, I don't know the answer to this. But um, I guess just to start the conversation, I feel like we added unnecessary barriers to entry to a process in which it was supposed to give people that have been unafforded chances We were supposed to afford them chances, right? And it just seems unfortunate that you needed like a legal team and so much capital. I mean, you already need a legal team and a lot of capital to get in the cannabis industries anyway, in the cannabis industry anyway. You know, you want to be able to be legally protected and you want to make sure you can build your facilities to code. All of that shit costs a lot of money anyways. But then we add on all these licensing fees and then we add on the fact that you can, buy, you, can buy, you can submit multiple applications, thus allowing you to increase your odds and in turn decreasing the odds of folks that frankly weren't capitalized enough to do that. That's a long way of saying that I think, not that I know the answer, but I think that we should have taken a more open license approach. Nothing like um, uh, Oregon. Oregon which we saw prices hit the bottom of the barrel. And uh, frankly, things weren't good for people. I want to see somewhere in the middle where it's like, it's easy to get a cannabis license. Like for example, in Oklahoma right now, you can go online. I say this all the time, pay with your mastercard. And by the end of the day, you'll have a cannabis license. And if you've got the building, you can open it up and you're good to go. Right. Just like other businesses frankly like if you wanted to open up a local convenience store and you wanted to sell liquor well you can open up the convenience store you need to make sure to get that liquor license as soon as you do you know you're good to go um, I just wish we had a system that was closer to that because if we did it's like you know we've seen 40 licenses issued and we just saw GrownIn.com report that the super case for dispensaries is set for next week or sorry next month or actually this month, it's in a, in, in a few weeks. Um, and so hopefully we'll finally see more people of color and the folks that we've been intending to see uh, the supposed legislative intent of this law. Hopefully we'll see those people get these licenses. But my thing is like just in retrospect, if we had taken some sort of open approach where it was just like traditional, you pay, you get a license. I feel like today, right now, we would see pe- these people that we're talking about operating
2: Uh, yeah i definitely i agree with you on that Um, i feel like you know what i would support is the idea of you get the license and you prove yourself after you get the license and if you don't prove then you you know then the license is revoked so a much more um you know the the idea of this merit-based system is kind of, um, you know, it's, I, I think it's kind of some, it's some bullshit. I'll, I'll just say that 100% because really all you need is someone who has the right templates that have, um, you know, and that have, now the thing is they can't just be templates that won in other states because Illinois was different. And so I think a lot of the people that didn't win, they kind of went with, um, you know, maybe companies that used templates where they won in other states that didn't really do much to adjust it for what was happening and what was different and unique about Illinois. So mm-hmm. that's, there's just the truth of the matter there. But personally, I think it would be better from a business perspective if you didn't even have to do that um, up front before you even get the license, right? Because what whatever you put in there, you have to actually make it happen. So if it was a matter of you get the license and then you have X number of time, a uh, number of months or whatever to bring that thing to fruition, and then you're inspected based on what the law is, not about these you know BS plans that you went and spent tens of thousands of dollars for, and you know that people have just been regurgitating over and over again. So, I would like to see something like that. Um, I'm, you know, I'm coming around on my thoughts on. What it means to have an open market, um, and I, I still would, I still would support the way we did it in Illinois, as far as having a limited number that we put out at first, right, and just being measured in the number that you uh, release at a time, sure. um, because you know we we just want we don't want to just let all the toothpaste off the tube and, <laughs> and then have a big mess to clean up. Um, Right now we're cleaning up a mess where it's just a little bit of toothpaste, but you know, so uh, yeah, those are some of my thoughts on what it would look like to really change that, um, change that process up. Yeah. I'm not against like the lottery thing. I'm I'm not, I don't know how else you would figure out, um, you know, unless it's first come first serve or whatever, but you know, to me, if, if, Go
0: ahead. I was just going to say the only thing I'd say about the lottery is if they would have just been a little bit more transparent with it. But yeah, I, I think the lottery, I mean, it's the idea that you're not, you know, weighing anything in anybody's favor. It's all random.
2: Yeah. I mean, and, and, and even as far as like being transparent with it, I mean, I guess they could have shown us them, you know, a video of them pushing the button That's or all. whatever, yeah. but the lottery as we know it, cause I was, this was my, you know, Thinking too, and I spent about a year talking about balls in the lottery, like in all the working groups. And I was like, it's about the number of balls you have in the lottery, yeah. and, have, and so to me, it really was like ping pong balls and right. a, you know, thing. And, and your number comes up, and boom, it's your number, and you know, you go in order, and it's a list, right? And I was thinking about it from a real old school lottery perspective, but uh, the actual lottery doesn't even go that way anymore. And I think it's kind of. Um, Unrealistic for us to expect it to go that way, especially once you see the results of the lottery published, and you're like, nobody was going to say, who was going to watch that? Like, who was yeah, going
0: to? Yeah, true. If true.
2: We did pull them out of the thing. Like, we'd still be there. We'd still be pulling balls out of the barrel.
0: Right. Hell yeah, that'd be a huge oh. ass barrel too. Um. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who's going to
1: watch that? Like,
0: <laughs> nobody. Yeah. Felicia, I was going to give you any room in case you had.
1: Um, I don't really have much to say about this whole process. What I have been learning and watching, and just seeing how um, what it takes to get your voice just heard by the state and the negotiations that it takes, the the legwork that it takes to get them to come to the table with you and listen, and then how, you know, how you get laws and and things changed so that you can do business, Mm -hmm. Um, and just seeing how the world works. I, I, we can talk about these perfect scenario, perfect world scenarios, but in order to get that, it just, I, and it's frustrating to see and for me hard to participate in. Um, but I definitely feel like I'm in the learning curve of just watching it happen. Yeah. And hopefully, like I say, I support the pioneers who are like at the front trying to figure it all out because I just hope when it's my turn that it like y'all have that figured out. I'm okay with waiting and supporting, learning the business watching this shit unfold like a soap opera. And, and then when it's, you know, play on the level you can play and, and when it's your turn, you know, be thankful for the, those who came before you. But I don't, this, this um, my point is um, this whole process has really opened my eyes to see how the world works and how important it is to really get involved in your community and and know who's the who are the decision makers and how to bring them to how to get to their table or you bring them to your table and it takes a lot of groundwork and we can we can say it was a big mess we can ridicule and be negative all we want but if you really see what it takes to get just a little bit the progress that we have now you would be like like kian said earlier (laughs) yeah like because it's exhausting to see how this how things get done it's really exhausting
2: many of us that are doing it most well the ones that people that I work closest with this is our first time even being involved Mm -hmm. in you know being so civically engaged and so involved in the legislative process and really learning all that stuff you learned in eighth grade about how it's Mm -hmm. supposed to work, like, and really learning it from a practical perspective. Um, I was never involved in politics or anything like that in any real way, other than I was in student government. Like, I've been in student government since junior high school. Um, But, like, I never knew, you know, I didn't follow it. I wasn't, uh, you know, so even just for me, I've never been involved in anything or engaged in anything this deep and in this way. And even in looking at kind of the trajectory of how my uh, my career has gone and where even where I see it's going now and different Mm -hmm. possibilities that are opening up like I never saw that before but you know cannabis was the vehicle to make that happen uh, because it happened to be something I was passionate about so I wanted to get yeah you know you want you want to get it right that's where we all everybody Mm -hmm. that's where we all come from right like we just want to get it right and do it right we're not you know professionals we're not professional and it's just just a group
1: of allies coming together with the same interest like between us and the cannabis equity coalition and all the other organizations like um it just seeing how it all comes together it's like this is if be careful what you ask for if you really want to get in this cannabis game because this is not for the weak Um, and and it's
2: not a short it's not a get rich
1: quick like mm -mm. not at all yeah
0: (laughs) yeah well said so just to wrap up the topic of uh licensing um my last question is admittedly tough to ask and uh you know i'll just i'll just ask it right um i've heard Nothing but great things from Edie Moore about Edie Moore. Um, one of the um, uh, unsubstantiated things I've heard about her is, or opinions that I've heard about her, is that her getting a, a winning cannabis licenses. Some people viewed that as conflict of interest, and uh, I, apparently, maybe others had won licenses or been involved in teams that have won licenses. What do you say to people that that have that thought? Because I have mixed thoughts on it. I'll just start with if if I want to give you an opportunity to gear up for it. I want to say my thoughts with a professional that I spoke about it. It kind of goes back to it it doesn't relate at all, but let me just it kind of goes back to the slave master clause. I accidentally called it a loophole, right? It's not a loophole, it's all by the color of the law. Eating more Followed the color of the law and uh, her application was great and she got pulled out and, and she won. So um, that's my view on it. Um, what I, I'll re-ask my question. What do you have, what do you, like what would you say to a person that sees that as conflict of interest? Cause that's the only allegation I've seen about Edie Moore that isn't positive.
2: My, response to that um as also someone who is also a, a licensed winner um is why not why wouldn't we um I feel like the biggest issue is not the fact that Edie won it's that other people did not win with her It's not about who is on the list, it's about who expected to be on the list. And so if there were more people that felt like they deserved to be there, included in that list with her, with me, with any of us, then there would be no question about why we're there. Right. Um, I've also used this analogy and I wanna be able to clear this up um, specifically. Chicago Normal did not um, offer any services to review or work on or develop um, anybody's application. We prepared a series of technical assistance videos that we produced and published using a grant that was given by the state that we applied for like everyone else just like Oakton Community College, Olive Harvey, any number of other uh, providers. And we did videos and we posted those videos. We paid subject matter experts and a film crew and we had a studio and all of that. We did that last February, right before the pandemic hit. We didn't know that the pandemic was even coming. We just did it that way because we wanted to be able to offer something. And that was the easiest way for us to do it in the amount of time that we had. Yeah. So I say that to say part of that issue, part of where that thing is coming from that you're talking about is that there is a nasty—I uh, won't say nasty—there is a misconception and, and something that's been put out there um, more than once by some people that that are just misinformed and/or just lying that we work, we helped people with their applications, but we were the only ones that won,
0: yeah,
2: or that we were the only ones that ended up with perfect scores on our. Um, on our applications and we that's just not true we didn't help people with their applications um I as Kiana Hughes owner of Elevated Education I consulted with people with my clients on the side on their education exhibits This is just exhibit D and exhibit E that's it um, I was part of a writing team to write that I didn't look at anyone else's applications it wasn't even something that we were interested in doing so that I want to clear up just for once and for all, for period. Yeah. Um, but if we did, here's the other part of that. Now, and I'm, and I'm gonna be done with it. If we were teaching people about how to do an application and how to get a license, I don't understand the concept of like if I get if I hire a tutor. When I was in college, if I hire a tutor, and I, or I hire a tutor for my my son, right? Um, and that tutor is teaching my son about math, I expect that tutor to be better at math and to get better grades in math than my son would get. If I was hiring a tutor, if I was hiring an expert to teach me something, if I'm hiring a tax expert to teach me how to do taxes, I expect them Mm -hmm. to get it right. I expect me to make some mistakes. I expect that they've been doing it longer, that they have more knowledge and insight, that they just know you know, a little bit more than what I know because that's why I'm going to them to get this information. So I would absolutely expect someone that, that started a nonprofit organization long before any of this was a thing, before anybody knew it was coming, period, before there was any kind of landscape for it, um, and who had actually, who was one of the only freaking people, black people that won last time, I would expect them to win this time. So specifically as it relates to her, I don't understand the argument against it. I don't understand what the conflict of interest is. And I don't understand why anybody would think that we would not be allowed to, or that we would not want to take advantage of the opportunity to make good on something that we have invested years of our lives two
0: four, free right yeah it's and it's a personal so, cause you know being if you could as a social equity candidate participate in the industry like it's like that's your it's part of your mission coming to fruition here i am i'm right. an operator now right
2: mm-hmm. yeah so. and it comes in i think people think that we had a, a bigger hand or more influence in the writing and development of the law um and you know, come on now, that, that's, just, that's just a misconception because you don't necessarily know how this whole lawmaking writing thing works and neither do we until we got involved in it. But, you know, people with much greater interest, much deeper pockets, um, much greater ability to hire lobbyists and to do the things that need to be done and know what needs to be done. Um, they have much more involvement and influence than our little group of people here at Chicago Norm
0: period yeah Mm -hmm. well thank you for uh for talking about that kiana i want to say congratulations you i didn't put two and two together that that you did win so what licenses (laughs) did you win
2: well i had a little ptsd because just showing up (laughs) on the list of people that got perfect scores like you know people really kind of went crazy about that so it wasn't something that i was like you know talking about too much but yeah um my cousin and i and our two business partners want a craft grow license and i am i'm just on a team i'm a very very small owner of a team that won a dispensary license
0: cool and that cool. actually
2: that was a team that i did writing for that i, I wrote their education plans and mm. in exchange for a you know a small percentage ownership then they won so that's all
0: yeah. can i can I ask? Uh, totally understanding that that you may not know like like dates or anything like that specifically, but you know, people are excited for the new craft cultivators. Do you have any idea when you might have like a branding announcement or seeds and soil or anything like that? I know that uh, not me. It's tough right no. now. <laughs> cool.
2: Yeah, no, not my team. Um, you know, these delays have been. Um, you know, COVID took a big hit. Uh, everybody kind of took a big hit because of COVID and everything being shut down last year, and just the delays in the the awarding of the licenses. Anyway, so there's a lot mm-hmm. of um, you know Chicago normal members and new you know craft cultivation licensees, black and brown licensees um, that have perhaps lost their uh, property, the property that they used to apply, or um, still in the process of you know raising money or um, you know, finding locations or, you know, like there's just a lot to go into it before you get to, uh, you know, the branding and, and the fun part. There's sure, like, sure. a lot of just mm-hmm. work. Just good work.
1: Yeah, it's really it's, it's really um, we should be celebrating these wins That's for our I'm community saying. instead of pointing out negative things. These the window, it was small. And all these people yeah. tried to get in one little window. And uh, so you like Kiana you have to expect not everyone's going to fit the first time. Yeah. Um, but we should be celebrating. Like Kiana didn't even want to tell anybody. This is huge. Like this is groundbreaking. This is mo- a big momentous occasion where we should be clapping it up. And, yeah. and pushing because if you support someone if they go up you go up mm-hmm. and when you start having that energy it's just constant growth um, and I think we have to look at it as a people f- and a community from that standpoint any inch forward is an inch forward and Absolutely. let's focus on that focus
0: on that absolutely I agree. very well said very well Thank said well I've had a lot of time speaking with both of you I don't think it's the last time we'll speak because I'd love to do whatever I can to help uh your you know initiatives uh you know if I can share things that you guys are doing whatever we'll Please. be in touch and we'll definitely have you back on the podcast um is there anything you know before we go that you want to tell us about um we talked about the medical, the Giving Tuesday. Um, is there anything else that exciting? Anything you want to?
1: Um, so on the 18th of December, um, Soul and Wellness is having like this um, holiday pajama party and we'll be there. It's a pop-up. We'll have some merch, selling some merch, um, getting rid of the old and going to have some new merch coming in next year. So we'll be there. We're also, oh, 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 this is a good one um we have collaborated with a cooking company from ohio called for the love of dough um and it's going to be look go to our ig at chicago normal we're good we collaborate and created our own holiday cookie um and so those will be on sale and so they're uh it's just rate. it's just the way to raise money and people like cookies during the holidays so it's like a cornbread cookie um and it's going to have like this CBD infused honey butter. It's going to be mm-hmm. really dope. So you can pre-order. Pre-order will come out. I think the media team is going to push it out this weekend. And you can pre-order and pick it up from the pop-up on at Soul & Wellness on December 18th, 6 to 10 p.m. So follow Chicago Normal and follow Soul & Wellness because that's where you'll see all that information.
0: Well said. Kiana, anything Good else? Stuff?
2: Um, we typically do an annual, um, lobby day workshop on the King holiday. So that is, um, in the works, it's going to happen next year, just like it happens every year and just stay tuned, you know, follow us on all our social media, um, subscribe Mm -hmm. to our website, ChicagoNormal.org. Um, yeah, and just check us out, man, support Mm -hmm. us. We, We need the support. Yeah, and we appreciate um, uh, mm-hmm. you know you having us and yeah. um, introducing us to your audience. And I personally just want to congratulate you um, and commend your dedication and um, your consistency with your podcast. So I've never actually listened to it, but I think I follow I follow mm-hmm. you on Instagram, and I you come up. You are always going live. like I see it I don't always have time to like mm-hmm. tune in but I was like ah chillin away oh okay he's still doing it um I know how hard that can be to do consistently I would love to get back into that space but even just to motivate myself and to um organize my life in such a way that I would that I'm able to do it has been a challenge so I I am always um admiring anyone who who does it and does it well and and really sticks in there and grinds it out because I know it's not easy
0: that means yeah. a lot. That means a lot for you to say because it, it it's, you know, just plugging away. I don't get paid to do this, you know, and it's just because well, I care yet. about the subject, you know. So. Just do it yeah. for the
2: love. Yeah, I, yeah. Love, doing it I love, love it. it for the love.
0: Yep. So, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, folks, you heard it. Go to chicagonormal.org. We're going to have the website and the social media in the podcast description. If you go to chicagonormal.org, it's super easy to subscribe. Uh, on the home page, there's a little section that says "Subscribe." Enter in your first name um, and your email address. Click "Sign Up," and you're good to go. From there, you can also become a member. And uh, really important, folks, to follow them on social media so that you can, you know, keep keep in the loop of what is going on. You know, you said that you've got that announcement coming this weekend, uh, so you'll be able to catch that as it comes out, folks. And do what you can to support Chicago Normal and folks like them that are fighting for what, what I call substantive change, substantive reform in cannabis industry. And I think your uh, mission and everything you're doing go a long way towards that. So I want to thank you again for the work that you do, for your time, and uh, please stay in touch if there's any way we can help at all. Um, we'd love to.
2: Absolutely, Great, right. absolutely. looking forward to I. it.
0: Chilinois, uh, we will see you next time. Uh, hang in there, and we hope you have a great holiday. We're not going to have too many more podcasts coming out before the end of the new year. We've got a few more, though, including a, an episode with Tommy Chong, uh, uh, some other craft cultivators that have won licenses, and much more. So you've got some exciting stuff that will get you through the holidays, but I just wanted to announce formally that we will be slowing down to enjoy our holiday. So take care, Illinois.